Today's scripture is Matthew 15, 21 through 28, which is found on the first page of your bulletin at the bottom. This is the story of the Canaanite woman's faith. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It is a very strange tale. Not because it's being told, but because it is Jesus who is acting it out. We're not used to this Jesus. It's an incredible passage about deep faith. This woman throughout this story shows her faith. Her relentless, persistent faith. When was the last time you showed your faith? Put it in action where others could see it or the results of it. It's a challenging series of verses. I, uh, as you know, find a great deal of joy in my faith. It is our strength. It is our life. It is our, our heartbeat to read God's Word and to, to dig deeply and enrich our lives and transform our lives. But what do do these verses have to say to us? Let us pray. Lord, open this word to us. Give us hearts to understand. And give us hearts willing to live our faith and change a world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. July 17th. 1938. Anybody remember what happened that day? Me either. But I read about Douglas Corrigan. Is it bringing back memories for any of y'all? Douglas Corrigan tops off the fuel tank of his tiny 1929 Curtis Robin monoplane. And moments later, Corrigan is in the air, leaving one coast to head to the other coast. Airborne. Now, the plane is hardly state-of-the-art. His cabin door is literally tied shut with bailing wire. 
two, compass, two compasses are all he has for navigation. And his flight plan says he is going from here to there and back again. But something goes wrong. He takes off, and 29 hours later, he lands near Dublin. Not Dublin, California. Dublin, Ireland. He had flown the wrong direction, crossing the entire Atlantic Ocean. And that's the day he earned the title Wrong Way Corrigan. Now do you know the story? That's where it comes from. Now, how does someone commit such a huge navigational blunder? This was a very smart man. He had basically rebuilt that plane. He had added huge fuel tanks. He had changed the fuel type several times. He had run experiments. This was a man who loved to fly and who knew what he was doing. Well, he claimed that one compass quit working altogether and that a severe storm caused him to misread the other compass. For nearly 60 years, until his death at age 88, he insisted that he was surprised to see the Irish and not Californians. In case you're wondering, there is very good reason to believe that Douglas Corrigan's famous flight was hardly a mistake or equipment failure. You see, Lindbergh's solo flight across the Atlantic occurred on May 21st, 1927. Corrigan was fascinated by this feat, and so he learned how to fly. He paid $310 for this plane, which his friends described as a crate. By 1938, only 10 pilots had matched Lindbergh's pioneer flight. It became his dream to become one of the first dozen pilots to fly across the ocean. But he ran into a problem called the Department of Commerce who inspected planes and they rejected his request for a transcontinental flight. They said his plane was unsafe, poorly constructed, that it was slipshod and failed inspection. Well, Corrigan accepted the government's ruling and announced his invitation to re his intention to return home. 
Time to relax, he said. Time to retool, he said. So he climbed into his crate, and he took off for California and landed in Ireland. He was straight-faced whenever he insisted that Ireland was not his intended destination. But everyone knew Corrigan had gone the wrong way on purpose. And on July 17, 1938, he achieved international celebrity. It dawned on me as I read that story that Corrigan and Jesus had a lot in common. Because Jesus often went the wrong way on purpose. He marched straight into Samaria to keep an appointment with a Samaritan woman. It's like, wait a minute, Jesus, that's the wrong way. Jesus ate dinner with tax collectors and Sinners actually sat at a table and ate with them. Hang on, Jesus. You're going the wrong way. He attacked the Pharisees. He called them snakes and thieves. I almost hate to say this, but that's the equivalent of y'all coming into church and saying, hi, Steve, you snake. Hi, Steve, you thief. He was calling the holy people of the day very unholy things. And everybody was saying, think about it, Jesus. Please think before you speak. You're going the wrong way. It's going to get you into a heap of trouble. And then there's this story. My mama tried to teach her three children right from wrong. Be polite. Be respectful. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Stop picking on your siblings. Of course, I listened and I followed her every instruction to the letter. My sisters, on the other hand, let's just say all the frown lines my parents had came from them. That is my story, and I'm sticking to it. This story is certainly not Mama's Gospel. So much of this story is just plain wrong, headed in the wrong direction. Jesus travels to Tyre and Sidon, Gentile cities, non-Jewish cities. That's the wrong way, Jesus. That's the wrong direction for the one who himself defined his mission as sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. 
And then there's the, com the conversation Jesus has with this woman in today's vernacular, rude. Jesus looks this woman in the eye and calls her, her family, and her entire race dogs. And Jesus says he came for the Jews, not for the likes of you. That's not like the Jesus I know and love. And it gets worse. It gets downright nasty. It's not fair, Jesus says, to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. My mama would have popped Jesus' lips for saying something like that. Something so hurtful, so unkind, so uncaring. Something is wrong. Something is seriously wrong. Our normally steady compass of Jesus is somehow malfunctioning. And Jesus is suddenly pointing us 180 degrees in the wrong direction. What would you do for your children? This Canaanite woman would do anything for her daughter. She took insult after insult. The disciples told Jesus to send her away. They had the attitude of the Pharisees. She would settle for scraps off the table if only her daughter was healed. You see, actually, what would you do for your children is the wrong question. The real question today is, what would you do for God's children? For Pharisees, who care more about how you wash your hands than they do people. Or the disciples who at that moment were behaving more like Pharisees than like Jesus. This story is about justice and doing the right thing. The daughter was demon-possessed. Demon possessed. We don't know what that means. That could mean a physical ailment. It could mean a mental ailment. It could mean that she is just a normal teenager of the kind my sisters were. It could mean any of those things. But what we see so clearly is that love gives this woman tremendous courage and tremendous faith. Hers was a different faith. But Jesus, Jesus praised her faith and healed her daughter. And I deeply hope and pray that after hearing this story, 
none of us will be able to look at another person without thinking for ourselves, Jesus died for them too. Because Jesus, the very Son of God, paraded himself into Jerusalem and died on a cross. Oh, Jesus, you went the wrong way. Oh, Jesus, I'm so glad you went the wrong way on purpose. Amen.